You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Thunderquack Podcast. Enough said for our Spider-Man No Way Home review. I am one of your hosts, Michael Cohen, alongside the astonishing Amanda Konkin and the spectacular Curtis Finley. Uh, how's it going? I, I we're gonna talk, we're finally gonna talk about Spider-Man. Let me tell you, I'm very excited to talk about Spider-Man. Yeah, um, I feel like this this movie has just been like we've been talking about this movie for so long in general um just like like sort of out in the in the zeitgeist and whatever that it's so weird to now uh uh, be doing the review and also like like it's we're kind of we're two weeks after (laughs) the movie um I have another movie that, that that I've seen in the interim that I'd really really like to talk to people about. Curtis would not like to talk to anybody about it because because <laughs> he just didn't understand ninety percent of the film. It but, was so um, strange. <laughs> we're talking about the Matrix uh, Resurrections. But, I saw um, actually that post Curtis that was so funny, yeah. and then I was um, I was so pleased that that Mike got us to watch it. So the the uh, version. I, oh, the, yeah. fan, the fantastic thing is that the two movies have so much in common in that way of like if if you walked into spider-man no way home and you hadn't seen a single other spider-man movie or the only other the only other time you interacted with spider-man was in civil war and for some reason you didn't watch the other two so you don't know who zendaya is you don't know who jacob batalon is you don't know any of these relationships and then on top of it you've never seen these other spider-mans uh, and so you don't know these villains. You don't know that there are other Spider-Mans at all. You just got dropped into it. You'd be just as confused as if you only watched the first Matrix 20 years ago and then watched Resurrections. And you were like, wait a second. I thought they're in a computer. What's happening? Um, <laughs> I, I have to I thought say, this though, was like I Tron. Went, I, I went to see Spider-Man with my old high school friend and her uh, kid. And... Uh, her kid actually is caught up on all of the recent Spider-Man, but has never mm-hmm. seen any of the originals. Whereas uh. she, my friend, hasn't watched any of the current MCU, but did because as a consequence of being in high school at the time of the other movies, watch the other movies. And I actually think that my friend was in a better situation than her kid to like understand <laughs> what was happening yeah. because you didn't For need sure. to know who MJ really is to understand that she's important to Spider-Man. Whereas yeah. if you don't understand the other characters and villains like the other Spider-Man. I actually think that weirdly you actually need the older context more for this movie. But I don't yeah. know. I mean, we can talk about that once we get into it because it was just yeah. like an interesting juxtaposition to go into it. Um, <laughs> thinking that, that, that one person was going to enjoy it and actually realizing that it wound up being a little bit. Of, so know, let's, let's just, let's just establish a ground rule right now. 
uh, so that we don't end up in the problem that Peter, Peter, and Peter ended up in. Uh, and to say that Tom, Tom Holland, Peter 1, okay. Tobey Maguire, Peter 2, Andrew Garfield, I'm going to put my hands up in the air, Peter 3. Uh, <laughs> So that's that's I don't I don't know why at certain points in this movie Andrew Garfield was like apparently I am also Christopher Lloyd as Spider Man, um, but I'm like I don't care I'm not this that let me be super super clear on something that's a that's a compliment not a criticism I I anyways I we're yeah when we get to the end of this I forgot to add it to the to the to the docket but we'll have our MVP but I also want to have I. Uh, I get MVSM most valuable M- Spider-Man because uh, MVP I, most valuable Peter. No, like but that's not as that's. But we already have MVP. And, but Amanda, then MVP. Uh, MVP. MVP. Sure. Okay. <laughs> or just MVP. But that's what I said. Okay. 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 <laughs> you didn't say it loud enough. Yeah, you, you need I to know. turn your microphone up. Uh, okay, Let, let's let's get let's get into the details. Let's get into the nitty gritty. Uh, no Way Home is the 27th feature film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, released on December 17th, 2021, in movie theaters. I uh, uh, <laughs> right at the beginning of this whole Omicron outbreak. So good job being the first movie to break the one billion dollar mark uh, since the beginning of the pandemic. Um, and also probably being a major vector for <laughs> the current this current state of wave, the world, <laughs> uh, yeah, of of the pandemic. Um, yeah, you gotta take the good with the bad, I suppose. I, <laughs> anyways, uh, produced by Kevin Feige and Amy Pascal, with executive producers Av Arad. Uh, Victoria Alonso, Louis Desposito, Rachel O'Connor, Joanne Peritano, and Matt Tolmach. Uh, directed by John Watts, of course. Uh, written by Chris McKenna and Eric Summers. With music by Michael Giacchino. Uh, and here, buckle up, because here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Starring Tom Holland as Peter Parker slash Spider-Man. Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man Peter Parker. One. Yeah, slash Spider-Man. Sorry, Spider-Man 1, yeah. As Peter Parker slash Spider-Man 3. These are in the wrong order. Uh, Tobey Maguire as Peter Parker slash Spider-Man 2. Uh, Zendaya as MJ. Uh, Jacob Batalon as Ned Leeds. Marissa Tomei as May Parker. John Favreau as Happy Hogan. Uh, Tony Revolori as Flash Thompson. J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson, Jamie Foxx as Max Dillon slash Electro, Willem Dafoe as Norman Osborn slash Green Goblin, Alfred Molina as Dr. Otto Octavius, pause for uh, laughter, uh, slash Doc Ock, Reese Iffens as Dr. Kurt Connors slash The Lizard, Thomas Hayden Church as Flint Marco slash Sandman, Benedict Cumberbatch as Dr. Strange, uh, Benedict Wong as Wong, uh, Charlie Cox as Matt Murdock. You're distracting me because you're you're trying to add in Daredevil. He's already in there. Uh, Tom oh, Hardy as as Eddie. He's not slash Daredevil. He's only Matt oh, Murdock in this story. Okay, Tom Hardy fair. as Eddie Brock slash Venom. Uh, he does oh. not play both roles in this film. Uh, Fine, he, o- he only shows up as as a really good lawyer. Um, 
Which is unfortunate because nobody in my movie theater understood that it was him. It was very disappointing. But also, I went on yeah. a Sunday in a small town. I yeah. feel like. Yeah, you messed up. Really oh, man. Yeah, we you got applause. Up. Big applause in the theater I we know, went to. I know, and I'm so sad. I was the only one. I was this like, is, ah! yeah. This is like this is what I've heard from from a lot of people that like did they, they weren't there on opening night and because there was a whole there was a whole like controversy after the fact of oh like well, there there were articles people being like being like stop clapping in the movie theater you're ruining the experience <laughs> and it's and it's like I'm sorry but I I Curtis and I I. We we were there on opening night and uh, with the right crowd. Oh, yeah. I mean, there was a dude dressed as Spider Man <laughs> in the our theater. Yeah, um, and uh, and let me tell you, like it absolutely enhanced the experience because when you are like, that's the whole point. Otherwise, just put it on Disney Plus, right? So I can sit at home and watch it in peace, yeah. which yeah. which I'm also fine with, right? Like I don't <laughs> care. I don't. I don't. I, I think there's good and bad with both situations. But when you go to the theater on opening night, you are yeah. with the yeah. hardcorest of fans. Like these are yeah. the people who will like the movie the best and you want to celebrate with all of them. Yeah. And like that guy who's writing the article may as well just say no laughing during comedies because it distracts me from the movies. Like, come on, yeah. this is, this is an exciting action movie. Of course oh. we're going to cheer for it. I'm sorry, but if if the if the entire theater didn't erupt when Willem Dafoe says, you know, I'm something of a scientist myself, <laughs> then you went to the wrong theater yeah. because that's the experience. And this movie in particular, this uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get let's get into it. Right. So the, these are our overall thoughts. I'll start. This movie <laughs> is 90 percent fan service and 10 percent plot. Because 10%, that 10% of the plot is the Tom Holland, Peter Parker, Spider-Man one, right? Like, like that's, it's his story where like he has an arc and it, it definitely uh, sort of brings the full arc of, of the, the homecoming trilogy to a close. It does it really well. Um, but it isn't very much of the movie when you actually boil it down. There, there are only really a handful of scenes that actually have a lot to do with that character development. And then the rest of it is, is what happens as a result. It's sort of like it's bookended, right? You kind of have the the beginning of the movie with him, you know, everybody finding out and his whole life falling apart and, and everything getting screwed up. And then him going to Dr. Strange from there on out, it's like, Oh my God, hijinks with these characters from other movies um, and, and all of the jokes and stuff. And then we get the, in the middle of the movie, we get the, the, the sort of act two um the 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 bummer part of the movie going into going to the third act but then once like even right after that happens after may dies i i we pick up with 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 the other peets and and it goes right back into it right it's like it's almost like because when they're introducing the villains it's like joke 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 about like oh here's this guy here's this guy here's this reference to the movie that they're from and this one and that one and blah, blah, blah. And then like we reset it and we get to do it all over again with Toby and, and uh, Andrew. So it's a, uh, it, 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 most of the movie does that. And then it's like in the last five minutes of the movie, they're like, Oh, by the way. Yeah. Um, Peter went through some stuff. It's all good. He's, he's a, he's a better Spider-Man now as a result. You'll find out in the next movie. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> and, and they give us the, 
hopefully the opening of the next movie at the very end of this movie. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, uh, but, but so much of it is fan service, which usually is a bad thing. Uh, it's got 15 villains or something. I don't even know. Like how many, how many of these, it took me so long to read through that list. We've got, I mean, like I'm going to go ahead and start at JK Simmons as J Jonah Jameson as one of the antagonists, right? You've got Max Dillon, Electro, you've got the green goblin, you've got Dr. Octopus, you've got the lizard and then Sandman's kind of a bad guy. But then also, Doctor Ock is kind of a bad guy too. You could say, yeah, he 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 fights Doctor Strange in this movie. Like, (laughs) and I think that so many people are going to forget that Spider Man fought Doctor Strange. And as Stan Lee was fond of saying in in a in a battle between this character and that character, who wins? Well, whose comic book is it? (laughs) <laughs> whoever's who it if it's their book and they need to win in order for the story like it for for whatever to happen in the story then that's who's gonna win right um it's not a matter of who's who's stronger or whatever it's it's uh it's it's what's right for the story so spider-man beats dr strange with geometry i i and uh yeah like like so there's that fight it there's there's so much going on in this movie by all accounts if you laid all of this out for somebody 10 years ago and said (laughs) they're going to introduce spider-man via an avengers movie that is technically a captain america story (laughs) oh yeah he's really only in about 10 minutes of the movie total and his screen time is even less than that but i i but but he's there he's part of it um that's how they're going to introduce spider-man and then he's going to have his own movie where he fights the vulture and we cast michael keaton (laughs) you know batman as the vulture good i love that like it and then if you just like walk through and then the second movie in this trilogy is he goes on a road trip to europe with nick mm-hmm. fury <laughs> yeah. yeah and then in the third yeah. one we're gonna bring back every villain from every other spider-man movie oh you mean like <laughs> his villains from the last two no no not his spider-man movies the other spider-man movies <laughs> and everyone's going to understand what's happening and care about the character development of these characters from movies that are 20 years old. Right. And these actors are actually, Hey, guess what? Not only are they going to show up and are they going to do a good job? They're actually going to do the best job that any of them have ever done with these characters. I mean, like let's give Thomas Hayden church a bit of a pass because they didn't give him a lot to work with, but you know, and, 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 and we're just like, we don't, we, we're not going to count the lizard at all because he's just a plot device at one point. Like, that's the only reason he's there. He's there. Cause he's got to be there. Um, but they really kind of just, yeah, let's, ju- let's just, let's just have him not play well with others and that'll be fine. I, I, but yeah, like, like by all accounts on paper that none of this should work. It's all pure nonsense. It's the most, ridiculous hey we're adapting comic books into movies that you could possibly get and yet this is one of the best movies in the entire mcu like it (laughs) it, somehow they managed to pull it off um and 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 not just pull it off but like 
do it exceptionally well. Um, and, and I, I loved it. I loved every minute of it. I have zero complaints about it. Are there things like, could we, could we poke holes in the plot and try and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Of course, but that's not fun. That's not <laughs> it. You go, go, go watch a cinema sins honest trailer. If that's the type of content you're uh, looking for. Uh, I personally hate that stuff. And, um, I'm pretty sure that most of the people who make those are, are yeah, terrible human beings. So, <laughs> you know, for like very legitimate, like gross reasons. Um, but, I, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, if you want to have fun with a Spider-Man story, I, I, this is, this is going to do that. I mean, like I'll say right now, I, th- I still think Spider-Verse is, is probably the best Spider-Man movie. Um, but this one is really like nipping at its heels and, and of the MCU Spider-Man movies, I do like homecoming better, but like, I, I feel like homecoming has uh, a bit more rewatchability because it's a much more self-contained story. That's, um, I mean, I, that's fair. Yeah. And, yeah. I, and, and I, I can't overstate how much I love Michael Keaton as, as Adrian Toomes. Uh, as the vulture um not just not just because like of the vulture part of it but the way that it interweaves with peter's story and i i don't there there are only two times that i can think of in the movie theater where i felt like the oxygen leave the room one is in the last jedi when when holdo uh, uh light speeds the ship oh, through the, so the through snoke yeah. ship it's like that like you you could hear a pin drop in that movie theater. And then the other one is the moment that door opens and we reveal that, that Liz's dad is the vulture. Um, And it was just like, what a great twist. Yeah. So good. So good. Um, So so good that even when I watch it now, knowing that it's coming, it just, it hits me every time with how, how good of a reveal it is, how perfectly directed it is. And I, I, I'll, I'll just, I will close out by saying John Watts has absolutely no business being as good at directing these three Spider-Man movies as he is. Um, I'm so excited for fantastic four, but if you, if you want to understand the depth of what I'm talking about, go look at his IMDb and look at what he did before Spider-Man homecoming. Um, the movie he did previous was a movie called Cop Car, which some people might be vaguely <laughs> familiar with. But the movie that he did before that, his first feature film is a movie called Clown that I watched the trailer for this evening before we recorded this podcast. And I I didn't tell you guys to watch it because Amanda, don't watch it. Okay. You, okay. It's not it's. It is a movie about a man who uh, he, the clown doesn't show up for his kid's birthday party. So he goes up into his attic and he finds a clown costume. He puts Ooh. it on and then he can't take it off because <laughs> because Peter Stormare will explain to us over the course of this film that it is actually the skin of a demon Oh my god! That would trick people into coming out, uh, like entertain them, and then and then eat them or something. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's the that's the movie that he made two movies before in 2014. He made that movie. Well, that sounds like it's right up the same alley as Sam Raimi. Yeah. There, 
Uh, you know, very similar actually. Like it, it is definitely like a Sam Raimi esque, I, uh, I uh, Evil Dead type of like. This is so dumb. Why is this scary? <laughs> yeah. But also, it's kind of legit scary. Like this is kind of giving me some real creepy vibes. Um, even as dumb as it is, it's like, oh, this is this is disturbing. So How that, <laughs> and then before movies? that, he made he made a bunch of music videos and short films and stuff. So. Yeah. Uh, it's 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 really quite amazing to have somebody just show up out of nowhere and do this. Um, obviously, there's something uh, there's something magic but... at Marvel. Yeah. I will say, in their ability to find directorial talent from nothing, mm-hmm. like they just know exactly what to look for. Because it's not like this is a one off. I, I mean, I guess I'll say Disney rather than just Marvel, but like. They keep doing it where they're they're like, we have to get a really green director that we can like harness all of them to do. It's just it's awesome. It's working really well for them. And it's just so bananas. Like, well, I think it's I think the interesting thing with Marvel is that it's like there's this balance of it. Right. Because then you've also got Taika Waititi doing Thor Ragnarok and Love and Thunder and and, uh, you know, lending his uh, uh, opinions and, and sort of feedback on. Um, Infinity War and Endgame. Um, yeah, you have lots of accomplished directors as well. I mean, I, yeah, I remember it, when I heard Kenneth Branagh was doing Thor. I'm like, what? Yeah. Really? Right, yeah, yeah. That's, that's... I, I, yeah, for better or worse on that one. Yeah. But, right. uh, <laughs> I mean, Thor's not, Thor's not bad Thor by any fine. stretch. But it's fine, but it's not it's it's not one of the more celebrated ones, I don't think. But you might be um, onto something there too, because if he's, if it's more, a more celebrated or um or a more accomplished director maybe kevin feige cannot mold they can't manipulate the, them as the much. way that he That's, wants it to yeah and i mean manipulate is a bad word but i mean the idea the thing that i absolutely love about the marvel universe and about long form storytelling right is that you have a you have to have sort of a cohesive vision but then mm-hmm. you get to sing within it and we've yeah. talked about this before probably on the thunderquack podcast actually just about that that's what exactly what you're talking about chris is that i think that they choose less seasoned directors so that they can influence them more towards the larger storytelling narrative and allow them to sort of have their have their own mark on the story obviously and and really connect with it but they they know that they're part of a larger conversation like they're part of a larger story that's being really driven by Kevin Feige. Well, I I, th- I I think that Kevin Feige learned this lesson from George Lucas. And I think he learned it in both the good way and the bad way because I think when you look at the original trilogy and you look at Empire Strikes Back and um and Return of the Jedi I uh, Empire you bring in Irvin Kirshner who is a very accomplished director at that point with his own sort of way of doing things but but one that was also able to listen, understand and elevate the material um which is what I think you get with when you bring in someone like Taika Waititi to do mm-hmm. Thor, right? And then on Return of the Jedi, you get Ross Marquand, who like has done nothing else, right? Like, like he does it. He has a very uh, uh, actually. I'm not sure if he's still alive, but um, it's like it's not like the the guy has no credits, but um, to come in and re- direct Return of the Jedi, which at the time is one of the biggest movies ever made. Um, but but the truth of that being that like it was actually kind of George, you know 
not really directing, but sort of just giving like the, Hey, this is what's important for the story. These are the things that you got to do. This is the stuff, you know, we should do this. We should do this. We should do this. Um, and then Ross Marquand just sort of doing the, uh, I, the work of the director, which is much more like TV. Right. And I think that's what you get uh, with most of the directors in the MCU. And you see with Joe and Anthony Russo, especially them coming from community from the television show community, and then making that jump over to, to, um, uh, which one did they do first? Uh, Winter soldier and then civil war and then, and game, uh, infinity war and end game. Right. Um, and it being very like, okay, we know what we want from this. Um, and, and, and also like that sort of right after that period of like sort of all of the missteps were like, we're going to bring in this great director and this great director and this person and this person and, and the Edgar Wright thing falls apart and, uh, uh, everything that happened with, uh, the second Thor movie. And it's like, people forget that phase two of, of the MCU was actually pretty rocky. <laughs> um, <laughs> but then like the, all, what they remember is they remember James Gunn. They remember guardians of the galaxy. Right. Um, and then going into phase three, things pick back up. But uh, once, once they kind of figured out like the, the, a, a little bit more of like, okay, these are the people that we're going to, we're going to grab. And, and these are the good reasons why. Um and so I think that's what it is like, like Kevin Feige has built a model of like, it's either got to be somebody that he knows he's going to be able to work with, um, that he's going to be able to have a really good creative working relationship with, which I think is what he's getting with Taika, or it's going to have to be somebody who is going to really listen to um, sort of like his, it's, it's all, there's like, like there's sort of like a higher level than higher level than direction when it comes to something like the MCU or star Wars or the DCEU that they really only Kevin Feige has nailed at this point, which is that like, he's directing not individual movies, but sort of like in, in the way that you have uh, in a, in an armada, right. You have, you have yeah. an admiral that's like giving larger directions of strategy and then the individual captains are going to determine what happens on their ship. Right. But those captains have to be able to follow orders uh, and, and work well within the structure. And, and I think that that's, I think that's like what Kevin Feige has really like nailed. And John Watts is, I think a director that is able to um, do the really important work of developing story with characters while Kevin Feige is worried about developing story across the MCU. So it's like, okay, these are the things that we're going to, because if you look at the Spider-Man movies, I mean, when I talk about them, it's like each, each one of those three Spider-Man movies actually like fits really well into the MCU to, to put certain, certain ideas forward leading into the next thing. Right. Or like really kind of coming out of, um, but it's like like they they use them really strategically, knowing that the name Spider Man is going to get a lot of people into the theater. Um, he's in I uh, I I think every single one of the billion dollar I uh, uh, MCU movies except I'm trying to think. Oh, I can't think of it right now. But uh, if I had the list in front of me, I, I'd be able to tell you. But um, but yeah, but Spider Man is in except almost Black, all of them. except Black Panther. Except Black Panther, thank you. Um, 
yeah so it's like like they know that spider-man is one of the major draws for for the mcu um just in general like spider-man is just a box office draw you put that character into a movie even if it's spider amazing spider-man 2 it still makes a fair amount of money not as much as they wanted to uh it was more the critical reception that was the problem on that one which is why three never happened uh but um but yeah, like like I, I they they've they've used these Spider-Man stories to launch certain ideas. I mean, they introduced the concept of the multiverse in the previous Spider-Man movie, and then like as sort of a almost like a a false flag in a way of a like oh the multiverse. Just kidding, the multiverse isn't real. And then immediately after that, they're like, oh no, no the multiverse <laughs> is totally real. You guys, when did they when did they tease it? And am I what did I miss? Mysterio uh, claimed he was from another another uh, universe and said the okay. multiverse is real. And then real, he, it was revealed that he right. was not. Yeah. Yeah, the interesting thing about this movie is that it's uh, it takes place directly after yeah. uh, No Way, yeah. um, far, far From Home. Like they, they yeah. Yeah. really go right back to back. So it is literally there's no multiverse. Oh, yeah, actually, there is multiverse. Right. Yeah. 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 It's almost like it's almost like a couple weeks later. <laughs> it's like a month later yeah. or something like that. that well, uh, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, the very first scene is them um, watching the bull, yeah. the billboard that we see yeah. at the end of the last movie. So no, but before until Peter discovers that the multiverse is real, right? Because they have they go back. To oh, school. yeah. Right. He goes back to school and everything. Yeah. There's right. a couple it's like months two months because it's because it's, it's after Halloween. Right. So. Yeah, three months. Um, the timeline on this movie is actually like the the this the story of this movie takes place over a very long period of time from the opening scene to the end scene. It's yeah, it's it goes a six all the way from six yeah, month period. I think it goes all the way from summer vacation to to, to Christmas. Um, and it's I, interesting also because the movies that came out in between these two movies are yeah. Black Widow, which takes place many years in the past. Um, well, not many years, but a few years in the past. And then also Eternals and Shang-Chi, which at the moment don't really have any current ties to storyline. So they yeah. could be placed wherever. It, the interesting thing about that is that like what what was said previously was that No Way Home. Sorry, Far From Home was the furthest into the future that we've had a story but then Eternals happens and a celestial pops up in the atmosphere uh, and and terrifies the entire world. You'd think they would have talked about that. Right. In Far From Home. So so I think that at some point they'll they'll probably clarify that like, well, no, obviously Eternals happens after Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, but I, I man, it, living living in the MCU as just like a a, a regular human must just be a terrifying prospect <laughs> because like within the span of five years, you've everybody half of the planet blips out of existence and then comes back. Uh, and then, and then that crazy thing happened <laughs> in New York that seemingly, you know, Spider-Man fought all of these uh, bad guys on the, uh, the Statue of Liberty, and then the sky ripped open with purple. Uh, and, uh, and, and then, and then a celestial showed up a little while later. Uh, so yeah, it's a yeah, it's it it would it would it would definitely be a scary world to live in if you just were a normal guy. Uh, yep. But I I, anyways, that's all of my uh, overall thoughts on Spider Man No Way Home. Uh, Amanda, you want to go next? 
sure. I mean, I I don't know how much different I can say from you in terms of like the positivity, everything that's sort of come already is it was just like a great time. Uh, I think you're, I also, uh, think you're accurate in saying that it's, it's not like the best MCU movie ever. Like there is definitely other, other stuff that might be, or, or even the best Spider-Man movie ever, but there's so much in it that, that you just have to love. Um, and that it's not necessarily rewatchable. Like the, the things that are exciting about this, cause I did ask you, I think after I watched it, I was like, why did they not just tell us that it was a movie with three Spider-Men. And it's kind of like, well, that's, that's part of the joy of it is being like, is there actually, do we actually know? Has it actually been confirmed? And then watching it and being like, yes, three Spider-Men. And I have to say that that was after like reflecting on it, I'm like, okay, cool. Yes, that is accurate. It was fun uh, and enjoyable to see that. I, I feel like I am in a minority, but Andrew Garfield has always been like one of my favorite sort of actors in general, but also like, like I love him as Spider-Man and I really enjoyed the amazing Spider-Man movies. I think way more than other people did. Um, and so him being back was an absolute joy for me. Um, and, and so to be able to see a lot of that payoff and the buzz that's, that's coming with potential future stuff for him is really exciting. Um, and I think just tying in, just showing how fun the universe can be, because I think we're going to get into a lot of, uh, bad stuff, if you will, or really sort of negative stuff with the multiverse in the next few, uh, incarnations of, or iterations of the MCU and whatever we have next. And I think that this was a great way to intro it because it's like, yes, the, the multiverse is quite terrifying and threatening and it has a lot of a lot of bad things that can happen, but it's also a great way to deal with that. Whereas you're like, we just get these villains that are, that we already know and we know how bad they are and then they're not actually bad. And how do we, anyways, so I just think that that was kind of, it was a nice sort of smooth transition into really unknown territory because they could go anywhere. And for me, not really knowing that much about uh, Marvel, aside from what I have gotten through osmosis through the many years of watching, like watching the content as opposed to reading it, it was really nice to revisit something that was so familiar to me right before they transition into what I am pretty sure is going to be unknown territory for me. I think they're going to do some deep cuts with um, And I mean, I could be wrong, but, and I'll look forward to Curtis talking more about what the multiverse has in store for us uh, <laughs> comic wise later. But, um, but I'm just getting a sense that they, they kind of wanted a palate cleanser. And I think that this was a perfect palate cleanser, a perfect reset for us to be like, what's next let's where where are we going to go now and how do we reset this universe a little bit and that sort of i know that we reset it a little bit with endgame but this was still spider-man was still an unknown threat right like he was still as sort of in the middle of his story and being able to sort of reset i think that they've done that with a lot of characters right now and for me it, it worked really well because it's instead of me getting this sort of fatigue and burnout and like oh my gosh all these superheroes i'm like no throw them all at me but throw them at me in ways that i can digest and understand and relate to and enjoy and relish in and laugh at and uh and then i'm ready to go for whatever you bring next so i really like your comment that uh this was like for you you got the same feeling in this movie because of your nostalgia for the old movies that I get for all of the Marvel movies because of my nostalgia for the comics. That's right. an interesting yeah. perspective because I, I didn't think that about that. It's like, yeah, you, you are getting excited because these are movies you watched 
when you were a kid. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Wow. Yeah. So it's exciting. It's fun. That's my. Those are my thoughts. What are you? What about you, Curtis? Uh, okay, so I absolutely love this. I just couldn't. Um, I was sitting beside my wife, and the whole time I was like. My mind is exploding right now. <laughs> Every little thing that was going on, uh, she thanked me afterwards for making, forcing all but my whole family to watch all of the previous Spider-Man movies leading up to it because I, I wanted my kids especially to be informed and uh, to to understand the significance of these characters that are coming back. I had no idea how they would be played out in the movie at the time, uh, but I wanted to make sure that they were well equipped. And so afterwards, like. She's like, yeah, if I hadn't seen those movies, even though I've seen those movies before, if I hadn't just rewatched them, all of these things would have just gone, gone over my head. Um, what I, and also I had stayed away from spoilers. So I honestly didn't know, honestly didn't know that, that Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield were going to be in this movie. So that was a huge surprise for me. And, uh, um, and, and quite honestly, I thought that all of the villains that were going to show up were going to be kind of just cameo appearances that they would be there for you know 20 minutes or half an hour of the movie to you know do the fan service thing and then they would go away and we get on to the the rest of the movie or whatever but to have them and to have the other two spider-man so actually intricately involved in the plot purposely there every single one of them except maybe the lizard like you said purposely there for a reason and to have them all do really, really excellent performances on in character and everything, um, I was just amazed that they pulled it off. Absolutely amazed. It was quite, quite something. Uh, and then, and then the last thing I want to say here is that I'm also there's. It's always been this this big question about why this Spider-Man in this MCU is so different than your, you know, the comic book Spider-Man or the Spider-Mans from the different from the past movies. Um, we have this Peter Parker who we never get an origin story for. And he's like buddies with Tony Stark and his costume is full of tech. Like this isn't Spider-Man. Um, where is the Spider-Man that we know? And now by the end of this movie, we find out that it's because this whole trilogy was his origin story to get him to the point of being the Spider-Man that we know from the previous movies and also from the comic books. It's like, this is it. And in, like in the other movies, Spider-Man uh, joins up with res wrestling or gets into television or whatever, and you know has some fun with his spider powers before he f before Uncle Ben dies and he learns responsibility. In this universe, he joins the Avengers, and instead of doing doing the wrestling thing, mm -hmm. um, and if you have if you, you you know if you look at the way he interacts with the Avengers, it's always like he's joking around, he's not taking it as seriously, he jumps into the spaceship and goes to space without really thinking about the consequences. And, and he just kind of has fun with it. And then Aunt May dies. Aunt May is the uncle Ben in this situation. And then we now we're, we have like a complete origin story. And I'm like, Holy cow, they just pulled that out of nowhere and it makes sense. And it's just a, it, it reframes his entire MCU um, history up until this point. And I just thought that was great too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, what one of my favorite uh, uh, moments in this one uh, is 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 right at the end when they're in the coffee shop, uh, the donut shop or whatever, and he's talking to MJ, and uh, he's 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 about to tell her he's got his whole speech prepared, and then he he 
asks her about her cut over her eye and and she goes oh yeah no it it doesn't even hurt anymore and he has like tom holland has this beautiful moment this beautiful performance yeah where in in a split second he conveys that he absolutely has to break his promise to her because like he can't put her in danger anymore right like he's got to do like he can't he can't stop being spider-man Right. Like that's he's he's it's a great power, great responsibility. And the second that May says that, you know, ugh, she's she's done. Yeah, <laughs> you don't you're not allowed to say that. And then uh, to a Spider-Man and then, uh, and then, and then keep going. Yeah. Well, um, I think he yeah, I, I love it because when she says uh, it doesn't hurt anymore is the yeah. anymore is like it. Yeah, it had lasting implications. Yeah. yeah. And um, and it took a, a while for the pain that he caused for her to get over it. Um, yeah, not going to put... He, he, Tom Holland is just an incredible actor. I cannot believe that he pulls off what he does in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah, that that, uh, that that absolutely stands out for me. Um, we're in the favorite moments now, and I'll just say, uh, there's a, there are so many great things to choose from in this film, but I'm going to go ahead and say, my absolute favorite moment of this movie is the last what five minutes um, <laughs> yeah. when for the time that he that they open the door on his new apartment and he puts his stuff down and then we get that transition to he's been there for a little bit and he's uh, you just he's, like it because of the Star Wars Lego figure yeah <laughs> um, I <laughs> well the joke online has been that I. I uh, Spider-Man No Way Home managed to use Palpatine in a more effective way than The Rise of Skywalker. But, <laughs> I love it. Um, just like the the because it's all just environmental and visual storytelling, right? Like he's in this little apartment now. The smile on his face of that 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 sort of uh, refers back to the beginning of the movie when they're talking they're sitting on the roof and they're talking about they're going to go to MIT they're going to all live together in Boston fresh start yeah and then nobody he never says it no one says anything about him getting a fresh start it's all just like you just have to have been paying attention to the movie but he does he does actually have this moment of it's like a melancholy smile of like i'm going to be okay which is so Peter Parker of like, dude, you just lost everything. You lost everything. But yeah, you're still Spider-Man. So, you know, like like the, the responsibility is the important part that underpins everything. But then on top of that, like the layer, the next layer on that is that Peter Parker loves that he is Spider-Man. It's and that is something that like I think, Amanda, when you talk about the Andrew Garfield peter parker that is so apparent in that version of the character and then the toby Maguire version of the character is actually the antithesis of it and it's one of the reasons why i don't like that spider-man is because he spends 90 percent of those movies like like tearing his clothes and screaming at the sky why do i have this power and you're just like and that's spider-man too like i'm not saying that that's not spider-man it's just not the type of spider-man story that i want um yeah Tom Holland manages to balance those two versions of the character, I think, really well. I, I where like you get the weight of the responsibility, um, which I'll I'll say is a pun because the first time that we saw it was when he gets crushed by the building and he's and he and he 
says, oh, yeah. get up, Spider-Man. Get, he's saying to himself, get up, Spider-Man, get up. And uh, which is one of the best parts of that movie. Um, and, and just like the, the end of this movie, the, the, which is really almost like a post credits before the credits of like, we pan over across the sewing machine with the shiny fabric that looks like something that you could buy in a fabric store. It doesn't look, mm-hmm. there's no tech in it. It doesn't look like it, it doesn't have uh webs printed on with like, you know, like fancy tech, yep. not tech, but like fancy, like, like, I don't know how the other Spider-Man's made their costumes. Actually, I guess, the Andrew Garfield one was a little bit too low tech in the first movie where they're like, yeah, he bought a, a, a scuba suit and painted it. And it's like, okay, that's a little bit, you guys are taking it a little bit too far in the other direction. Um, we want to see him make his web shooters. We don't really care where the costume came from that much. Um, but yeah, like the Toby Spider-Man shows up in this outfit and it's like this perfectly like, like the, the, it's always the webs, like the raised webs drive me nuts. It, I have <laughs> always hated it. Um, I, but it's like, you, you look at it and you see you, like, you get the, like I said, the environmental storytelling of like, he's, he's made the suit himself. He's figured out how to do it. Um, and he's done it. And, uh, and then, and then we get to see. Uh, the best Spider-Man costume that we've gotten to see so far in the MCU. Um, And one of the reasons why I say that is because I feel like they took the classic costume and they actually blended it with um, the Parker Industries, uh, which is the Mark IV armor, I think, uh, which is from a more more recent run from 2015, um, but that was designed by Alex Ross that has that because it's it's armor, but it's not like Iron Man armor. It's not like it's not like like heavy metal like plates, but it is meant to imply that like he has a little bit more protection than the fabric suit. Yeah. So it's all shiny. Right. And and I mean, like that one has like an illuminated spider and the eyes are illuminated and stuff to make him seem more. They did a thing in the at that point in the comics where like he swapped spots with Iron Man. Iron Man was broke (laughs) and uh, (laughs) trying to figure out how to get his fortune back. And Parker Industries filled in the gap of Stark Industries for a while. Um. But I, uh, I love that suit. That's, that's my favorite comic suit. Cause I just love the way that the webs work on it. And it's like, uh, they took a lot of what's really cool about that suit and they put it into this one, but it's very classic. The spider is the classic spider with kind of its own vibe. Um, I all like, it's just, I, they just nailed it. They nailed it. The one thing that I hope that I hope when we get to see it, um actually in a movie is i i hope that he kept the lenses that's that's kind of the one thing where it's like we still gotta have he's i i want them to there to be a moment where he's like well yeah i just took them out of my old suit but <laughs> like it's like or like if they get broken or something like that and he gets upset because it's like ah i, I can't replace these mm-hmm. um but yeah i that's my favorite part of the movie because i have been dying for classic spider-man in the snow, which I don't, I can't express why I don't know why it's important to me, but that visual of Spider-Man in snow at Christmas is like, it's just something that I've wanted in a movie forever. Um, I, I said this to, to Curtis after the movie, I was like, I hope that I hope I didn't get what I've always wanted and that's it. I'm going to get that five (laughs) minutes and then I'll never get that again. 
Because what I really want is Spider-Man and Craven and the footprints in the snow and tracking and Spider-Man to use that against Craven in order to defeat him. That's that's what I want to see in a Spider-Man movie. But um, I, I'm being way too specific and my expectations are way too high. <laughs> if that never happens, I'm just going to be upset. But uh, But this came pretty close and it's just... The whole aspect that everything, the fact that it's all the origin, it sets it all up. And then he's finally at this point where like the Tom Holland Spider-Man is after going through these three movies and six appearances where he is so far from the classic version of Spider-Man to uh, they do basically the brand new day. Let's wipe everybody's minds. He gets to start over fresh start, which I think that's what people are calling it is the fresh start suit. Um, I, I, and I, I, and he's the Spider-Man. Now he's the Spider-Man that we know, like going into his college years, he's going to be very close to the, to the Spider-Man from the comics. Um, certainly like he is perfectly primed as the Spider-Man from the 1990s cartoon, which I think Curtis can agree is like, that's kind of that's kind of indelibly our Spider-Man for, for, for our generation. You're a little yeah. bit older, but even still, it's like that 1990s Spider-Man is the Spider-Man that I think the majority of us sort of imprinted on um, because the character has been around for so long, with so many incarnations, but, uh, but that's, it's everything is going to be measured against that. That's very specific yardstick. And to have that. And then when we get to the post-credit scenes uh, to have that set up, going into that it's like all of the pieces are on the board for the best spider-man movies ever made uh which is a tall order considering how many great spider-man movies we have um <laughs> that's that's my i'm gonna leave that as my favorite moment i i uh, curtis what's your what's your favorite moment from no way home um okay so i'm going to actually list three three so okay. uh buckle in here um and i'll save the best my favorite absolute favorite for last um okay so first of all i absolutely loved the this the fight between spider-man and dr strange where he uses geometry to stop dr strange yeah. <laughs> um and one of the reasons i really like this is because um spider-man and dr strange are both created by steve ditko now steve ditko is oh. one of the architects of early the early marvel universe in the comics is basically kind of uh uh, Stanley, Jack Kirby, and Steve Ditko, and there are a few other major players in there, but kind of those three are the ones who are known to have jump started the whole, you know, Marvel universe as we know it. And Ditko's two characters that are kind of his characters are Spider Man and Doctor Strange, and so to see them interact uh, together in in this movie here and have a battle and have it in a world where you know, it's just this trippy atmosphere or whatever. Like that is, I was just watching that and like, this is pure Steve Ditko. This is a tribute to Steve Ditko who passed away a couple of years ago now. Um, like all over here, this is, and, and if you are watching closely, you can see Steve Ditko's name spray painted on walls in the background of this movie here and there, because this whole, the whole Doctor Strange aspect of it is completely a tribute to it. So I, I love that. I thought that was great. Um, the second thing I wanted to point is that I, I, I really, really loved the first half an hour of this movie when Peter is struggling 
because his identity is known. Now, the MCU has never really had a thing about secret identities. None of, none of their heroes, except Spider-Man, have secret identities. They're all publicly known, which is, which is always kind of a weird thing. It's always kind of been a joke because uh, with the comic fans, because in the comics they have secret identities. Why not mm-hmm. in these movies? Um, like right from the get-go, at the very end of Iron Man, the first Marvel movie, he publicly tells the press, I am Iron Man. And from there on, it didn't, like secret identities don't matter. Um, so to show the actual serious implications of what happens when a secret identity is revealed, I thought they did a tremendous job with that. Like I was... I was anxious for Peter while watching these because it's like, holy cow, this is all going downhill really, really fast. Um, I, I loved it. I thought it was a great portrayal and set up why he needed to do what he needed to do or what he thought he needed to do uh, really, really well in a, in a believable way. And of course, you know, it's, he made a bad decision going to Dr. Strange and trying to do that spell, but he's a 15 year old kid. So of course he's going to mm-hmm. actually, yeah, he's going to make those, mistakes because that's kind of the way he thinks um, my number one favorite moment in this movie is the moment when mj michelle jones oh, hyphen watson <laughs> i like I, I like how they finally revealed that this is mj watson um but uh, i i when she fell off the building oh, and yep. spider-man 3 mm-hmm. dives to save her and actually saves her life uh, what a great moment that was because not only is this a great end to the tom holland trilogy but this movie was also a fantastic end to the other two movies as well the other two franchises as well and to have him redeem himself because he never gets the chance to do that um, because the movie franchise never had a third part to his story so he never got to 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 deal with that grief and to deal with, uh, you know, to have some sort of restitution. And so he got to have that in this movie. And I, I thought mm-hmm. that was such a good scene, uh, really well acted by all the players. And um, I don't know, I got emotional watching it. I knew you were going to steal mine, Curtis. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, it's good. It is. It is. It's that's, that's mine. By far, again, I liked Andrew Garfield the most. Like it, for me, it, to be able to like, like, just it—it's such a beautiful moment for him. Like his reaction to it, and yeah. it just—I it, it, think that they did a, an absolutely fantastic job um, with everything, with everything about that. And it was just, and it—it's because of like when they have their masks on, when they don't have their masks on, and all that stuff. I just think it was—it was absolutely definitely my favorite as well for all yeah. the reasons that you said but because mike said earlier something about web shooting i did think it was kind of funny that the moment where they're all where where they're like they come out of you or what i don't even know what they said to it but like <laughs> for uh for for what spider spider-man three and one to sort of be like we make our webs man <laughs> like which i, I love it when andrew it. garfield's <laughs> like he's like 
He's like, it's actually, it's, it's a huge inconvenience. <laughs> like, yeah. it's like, I'm just, I'm just saying that like, it would be nice, you know, like, cause I run out of webs all the time and he's like, yeah. and then yeah. Toby has the great moment where he's like, where he's like, you know what? Like you're saying it, like you say a web block, you're saying it now. And now I'm thinking about it. And it's like, yeah, I did have that once. <laughs> just the, it's the, the, the thing that sells it in those moments is the way that they, like the fact that the conversation is so natural between the three of them oh, about yes. these things that are so extraordinary that yeah. like being yeah. Spider-Man to us is amazing to them is just a part of their life. Right. And it, it, the way that they yeah. can like finally relate to each other in a way that they've never been able to relate to anybody else is uh, they just nailed that stuff so much that, it, and <laughs> the, the Andrew Garfield being the odd man out when he's like, he's like, I love Wait, you guys. And they're like, thank you. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. He's like, he just There's needs a, that connection. You know, there was so many actually good points where I have to say one of the most cringy scenes for me is the one in Ned's house with his, with his Lola. Uh, it's sort of like everything about that is a, like a little bit, but in hindsight, I'm kind of like, Andrew Garfield like hanging from the from the ceiling with a hand in me and like I'm not gonna do it man and then he does it anyways and it just like after it, it processing a little bit like, it's the dynamic it's the dynamic of like no I'm not gonna do that for you the teenager who's telling me what to do and throwing bread <laughs> yeah. at me but then someone's grandma shows up and says hey could you just and he's like well, I can't say no to that. I'm sticking to her ceiling, the least I can yeah. do. And the way that he goes over and he just kind of like, the way he flicks his hand around to get the, the cobweb out of the corner, it's just, it's so good. And then he's like yeah. pulling it off. off of, and then and then they get webs all over the place afterwards. And he, and he, has, he puts the little jars and like the little seasonings and stuff back on the little, the little. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because he knocked them off. But, yeah. That's great. Where he, because he takes it seriously like yeah. you really whereas like i feel like toby's character just kind of like looks around it's like he yeah. just looks behind himself and then yeah. doesn't do anything but like yeah, yeah. Exactly. it's it's it is there there is this magic in the way that like all three of them are spider-man in different ways yeah um but but they are so different um but yeah i mean yeah i i oh okay, yeah that's all our favorite moments right yeah, I, I think so. We, we could go on and on. We could go on. Yeah, and I know on. we could just talk about all. Of there's it. so there's so many good good things in this movie, but um, let's 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 talk about the MVP of this movie. Uh, let's let's put a few nominations up. Uh, I think it's really really easy right off the bat because we haven't talked about the bad guys very much in this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that. Norman Osborn slash Green Goblin is pretty high up on the list. I also think that Doc Ock does a pretty, pretty dang good job. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I'm actually going to say that the MVP on this one is Marissa Tomei as May Parker. I don't think that this movie works on the emotional level that it needs to in order to justify all of the silliness that we just spent so long talking about the stuff that is so fun yeah. that we love in order for all of that to be okay. The, the permission slip to have that much fun has to come in the form of Marissa Tomei's performance as may across all three of these movies. But I think she gets more to do in this one than she does in any of the other ones. Um, and she's got some pretty 
hokey, old-fashioned dialogue and sentiments to deliver. And mm-hmm. yet she she kind of nails it. Um, and uh, I'm going to point out one moment that I don't know if you guys noticed this. Um, in the scene where the, I, I, they've, they've just, I, I restored, uh, Otto Octavius back to himself. They, they've, you know, he, uh, Peter's put the, the new chip on and, and he's, he's back to his old self and he's talking to, he's been talking to Norman and it's, it's, it's right before Peter's spider sense starts to go off. Um, and actually, maybe it's as his spider sense is going off and he's like walked back into the main room and May is coming down the stairs and it's so easy to miss. She has a smudge stick and she's yeah, oh yeah, yeah. she's smudging the room. She's she's <laughs> because they're <all>, like, <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Peter yeah. and so Otto and Norman and everybody. They're like all of these brilliant scientists in this room. That have all turned themselves into monsters. Uh, they're they're all using science to try and solve these problems. And May Parker's in the background with her sage smudging the room to get rid of evil spirits. Um, which is ironic because Willem Dafoe has turned back into the Green Goblin in the midst of all of this and is going to kill her in about 10 minutes. So... Um, yeah, it's uh, but but it's just it's little things like that that like these little like like uh, I I don't know if that's in the script. I it, it would be cool if that's in the script. Um, I don't know if that's a choice that Marissa Tomei made. Uh, of, well, like, they needed the to have she's the, playing the character, but needed to have the prop there. So I yeah. assume that. Uh, it was yeah, but those those decisions can also happen in like on table reads and like in between and that sort of thing. Like they can. They can they they can make stuff like that happen, but but um, there's just like there's there's just this I uh, I like I said it's it's super hokey it's super corny the stuff that she has to say to Peter in this movie, but it actually all works and you believe that she believes it so that when she says with great power there must also come great responsibility it's like like that's not she's not saying that because it's the line that needs to be said which like when we go back to the amazing spider-man movies when uh martin sheen says when he dances around the great power (laughs) comes great responsibility line and it's like he never actually says it and it's super annoying that he doesn't just say it um it's like it feels super forced. It feels like, oh, we yeah. gotta say this. And then in the Sam well, Raimi one, it's like it's like, well, these are just the comic books come to life, so of course he's gonna say it, right? Well, um, I think part of it is that um when when Uncle Ben says it, we we've only really known we the viewer have known Uncle Ben for all of like twenty minutes. And so right. yeah, when he says it, yeah, whatever, it's like these are hokey lines. Uh we've now spent three whole movies. I mean, I know she's not a main character in these three but movies, but there. we yeah. we have known her for and like with her relationship with Happy and everything like that, we've built her up to be um, a more personal character to us, the viewer. So when she does deliver these lines, then we are ready to accept them. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I'm very happy that they said with great power must also come great responsibility because that is the actual line from the comics. It's not with great power comes great responsibility. You have mm-hmm. to have the must also come 
because those two things don't actually come hand in hand. Great power doesn't come with great responsibility, as we've seen from all of the villains in this movie. Yeah. Uh, you, you, it's a choice that you have to make. And so to have her, have her say that line in that way, I think is very important. And I'm glad that it was said. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm happy absolutely. to I'm happy to get on board the MVP train for for Marissa Tomei for sure. Um, I think that may that there's something too about this, and I, I haven't talked much about being the only girl in the podcast talking about the awesome girls in the in the movie as I uh, want to do on Nuff said. But um, there's something really awesome that's highlighted in this film for me that all of the Spider Men, as much as they were sort of. I get that like Gwen dying sort of did trigger something in, um, in Spider-Man three, the, the Andrew Garfield version of Spider-Man is what I meant. Um, but, um, <laughs> it's so confusing. There's so it many, is. but, um, that the uncle Ben death was kind of a, like such a important seminal thing in these, in like Spider-Man, like having this male figure that like tells him that he needs to be responsible for stuff, but that like throughout the relationship between May and Peter has always been so wholesome and great, you know, in a new, fresh way. But that's also, we don't ever miss Uncle Ben. At least I don't. As somebody who's mm-hmm. kind of like, yes, there's this woman that's raising this kid and she's doing a great job of it. He's a great kid and she's watching out for him, I guess, more or less. Yeah, she's doing the best she can, yeah. right? And that he gets he always respects her and he always looks up to her and that she can be the catalyst for him in that way. It doesn't make me think of a refrigerator girl trope in a way that it could. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think that there's something really powerful about that, that she can embody all of the other things that the uncle Ben death does for Spider-Man and it, and it be so important and, and critical as a, as a parental figure. Right. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily not as like a a woman that dies for somebody else. Yeah. Right. I, 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 I think I think it's a huge help that he's already Spider-Man. He's already a hero. Yeah. He's already yeah. saved the city and the galaxy. <laughs> like, you know, mm-hmm. fought Thanos and all of that sort of stuff. Right. Like, so this Peter, like we already know that he's a hero and she knows that he's a hero. There's no like mincing it. It's not. Oh, I think maybe. I, 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 you know, uh, Aunt May knows like, like we can Mm -hmm. sort of imply in the other Spider-Man movies, but it's like, no, no, she, she, it's obviously an important plot point that she knows, but that in her final moments, she doesn't, it's not that her death is what propels him into this world, but more so that her influence on him is what makes him the 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 best Spider-Man that he can be, right? Like it's what it's what sort of um, well, puts it puts him on the path to being to being a better man. I, I I but it doesn't. But it's not the motivator for his super heroics, which it has been in the it's, past. It's it's right? not. But here's the thing: it challenges the best version of him, yeah. right? The grief that's all consuming and could so easily push him into a terrible version of himself. Yep. Right. That that's actually such an interesting juxtaposition for. I mean, I guess the the Tobey Maguire version, right? Of of where the the guy he lets go is the one that kills Ben, right? That's like part of the thing, and then he feels yep. really guilty because he let the thing go, and he's like, I need to be better, and blah. And that always sort of like 
graded on right right like it's such a like a so like a straightforward message right where it's like this is you did the consequences of your actions whereas there's nothing there was nothing that he did really to cause her death right like she was fully a willy she was part of that of what he was doing of trying to help these people yeah. of, of all of that there was nothing that made him culpable in her death explicitly right like in in no she in she died a like, hero she, right yeah. so yeah. she very much in doing something that she thought was important right and his anger yeah. and grief there's nothing about her death that stopped that right from him turning into a like a like a a, a potential murderer right and it's actually the and again i don't toby wires spider-man not my favorite but when he comes in, he he understands what this like vulnerable little boy who just lost like somebody really important to him is going through, and mm. that sort of like darkness that's within him. Because as much as people make fun of him for it, I mean, that was the whole thing with Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, wasn't that he like went real dark and real moody a lot of the time, and so he understands how much that could trigger you into such a negative place. And I think that that's a really cool thing is that he actually stops. So, anyways. I think that the Marissa Tomei death, yes, in that she's a hero in and of herself, and also yeah. it's not necessarily a catalyst in this in the same way that it has been used as a trope in the past. It actually leads him to a negative place, whereas I feel like a lot of people sometimes get into a more positive place with with like mm. feeling like they need to become better or whatever it is. So, if that makes sense, I think I made sense. I think it made yeah, sense. No. In my yep, head. yep, it's all valid. <laughs> Uh, okay, so so let's let's talk about our MVP then. Uh, of 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 the three, I don't think that we even need to come to a consensus on this one. I think that they here's the thing between No Way Home and Spider Verse, there are so many versions of Peter Parker. Yeah, there are so many Spider Mans and women's and uh, girls and boys and pigs uh, to choose from. <laughs> That it's like I think that this is gonna mean something different to everybody, and 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 when we eventually get to do uh, Spider Verse uh, across the Spider Verse, we'll we'll get to come back and we'll get to do MVP again. I think, uh, but okay. um, for this one, let's leave. Let's 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 keep it at these three. I I so I think each of us can can just kind of name which which one was our favorite. Amanda, I you go first because I think we already know your answer. Do you know it's Tobey Maguire for sure? Yeah, no, it's Andrew Garfield. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's and, and, I don't know. It's it. I I I I think because Curtis had said it before. This felt like a, the ability to conclude his story in a way that it hadn't in mm -hmm. the Amazing Spider-Man's, and I think that just every little bit about him made brought me joy in this movie, like all of the little bits for him, and so that's for sure why he's my favorite for this one, my MVP. Well, my MVP is actually Spider-Man Two. Um, I I love this concept of this Spider-Man being older and mm. and defined and complete, mm. and yeah. like they make it, they they talk about him like he worked it out with Mary Jane, and they we assume they got married, and and um, he's sure of himself, he's confident. He has learned all of his lessons and he's become a full Spider-Man. Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man 3 has not become that yet. And of course, Tom Holland hasn't. So when we get to that yeah. the end fight, when, when, when Spider-Man 2 stops Spider-Man 1 from using the glider to kill Goblin, 
And all he has to do is look at Spider-Man Prime and, and you know, he knows exactly what's going on. Like that to me is the perfect moment right there of yeah. where where Spider-Man has is, is gotten to, where he should, should get to in the future. So I think that Spider-Man 2 is my MVP. Yeah, it's actually it's 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 actually kind of cool because when we look at it, it's like everybody's talking about, you know, like we know we're going to get more Tom Holland Spider-Man movies. They're already developing the uh, the the fourth one. Right. Um, And there's there are these rumors that they're that they're planning Amazing Spider-Man three. Um, there are also okay. rumors that we're gonna, that we maybe will see that Spider-Man in Morbius because we see the posters and the trailer. Um, what that maybe just maybe with the success of this one and uh, the Venom movies having done so well that in Venom three, people are yeah, really really campaigning awesome. that Andrew Garfield be the Spider-Man to his Venom, uh, which tell, yeah, which so like good. it would. Uh, look, I love both of the Venom movies, and I I know that I might be in the m- minority on that one. I love both Heather. those movies. I think that they're fantastic for what they what they aim to do. I think they nail it. Um, that said, I do think that that Venom and that Andrew Garfield Spider Man together will fix both of their their respective uh, uh, Spider-Man <laughs> franchises. Um, it'll, it, they'll balance each other out a little bit. Um, and uh, yeah, w- w- like, you know, don't take yourself so seriously. Amazing Spider-Man. Cause I think those movies <laughs> were a little bit too like, this is hard sci-fi. And then Dane DeHaan looks like a grotesque. I don't even know in that ugh, man. Amazing Spider-Man two is so bad. Uh, and, th- but then with the, the Venom movies, it's like, Hey, let's rein this in just a little tiny bit guys. Let's just, let's just, you know, and having that, that be the dynamic between those two characters could be really fun being really meta about it. But um, I, I like the re I think the reason we're talking about Andrew Garfield getting more movies and Tom Holland getting more movies is that, that, you know, with the Tom Holland one, like we talked about, this is the springboard. Now he's Spider-Man. Now he's the legit real Spider-Man. Let's explore that with this character, with this version of the character with Andrew Garfield. Obviously so many things are left unsaid about his journey. I love how much of it gets, uh, sort of, uh, uh, not, I wouldn't even say wrapped up, but just sort of like developed even more, um, in, in this movie that he gets his second chance which is beautiful. It's such a great moment um, when he lands in and he says to MJ, he's like, you okay? And he, and she's like, yeah, yeah, I'm okay. And then she looks up at him and goes, are you okay? <laughs> Cause he's very clearly not, yeah. but he is, you know? Yeah. Um, but, but with the Toby Spider-Man, it, it there, Curtis, you, you've pointed out something that, that I think I, it's like sort of subconsciously noticed, but not really, thought about much which is that confidence that he has in this one yeah where it's like they make fun of him they make fun of him a lot like he is the butt of a lot of the jokes and he just kind of smiles he does that dopey toby mcguire smile and just kind of goes yep it's all right and it's like because he's like he's he's kind of dad spider-man a little bit and he's just kind of like yep you know it's fine whatever it's fine like i'm good like i'm married to the woman of my dreams and i don't know i i I, maybe let's 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 imagine that maybe they have a kid you know i i a daughter they're happy a daughter perhaps named may (laughs) i uh mayday parker would be cool um 
but yeah, it, it there, there is like that kind of quiet confidence in him that, that is actually really good for that character. Um, all of that said, Andrew Garfield actually steals every scene that he's in, in this movie. It, it, it's, it's actually super frustrating because I'd love to balance this out and have each one of us pick a different Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I do love Tom Holland as Peter Parker slash Spider-Man so much. I think he oh, has yeah. done such an exceptional job and he has given a lot of us the fulfillment of a dream, which is we all know who the perfect Spider-Man would have been if you could pick any actor from any point in time and plop them into a Spider-Man movie with all of the resources ever. It's Michael J. Fox. I was he, thinking the same thing. <laughs> and Tom Holland. It's this is not this isn't me like like projecting something onto it. Tom Holland has said that that's what he is doing. Oh. Like since since Homecoming, it's like. And that was like sort of the direction is that like he is Michael J. Fox as Peter Parker slash Spider-Man in a John Hughes directed Spider-Man movie. That's what Homecoming Whoa. is. Yeah. And that's totally why Homecoming, is, Homecoming is, is so good. That's oh. why it's a great movie because it's not the fact that he's Spider-Man and that Iron Man's in it and the Vulture and all of that stuff is absolutely secondary. The number one thing is that Michael J. Fox is Spider-Man and hanging out with his friends. Like it's teenage right. drama. Like yeah. it's the, it's the John Hughes aspect of it. like it's, and there's the a very obvious called out uh, Ferris Bueller reference in it. Like it. Yeah. So I love him as, as Spider-Man, but Andrew Garfield gets the the MVP in this movie because he shows up and he um, it would be so easy to be bitter. I think for both of them, for for both Toby and and Andrew to be bitter about like, oh, here comes this Spider-Man gets everything that we didn't get. Right. And uh, especially, I think, for Andrew Garfield, who didn't get to finish his run. Not that I mean, they had six movies planned for Toby Maguire, but um I think that that the the there's a tragedy in 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 what happened with the Amazing Spider-Man movies because Andrew Garfield and Emma Watt Emma Stone are not what was wrong with those movies. Oh right? no, they were great. They yeah. the, as a matter of fact, they that was the, best part the two of, the of them, movie. yeah, the two of them managed to shine and excel despite the material that they're given. Yeah. Um and because because both of those movies are have a lot of issues, too much more than the first one, but both of them are very kind of clunky films. But it doesn't matter because you enjoy the time that you get to spend with that character, um, and and having him come back was just such a great reminder of that. And the idea that he could get more, he that he's getting another kick at this can. Um, I think is just, you know, like that's a dream come true. I think not just for fans, but also for him because he loves the character so much. And I think of the three of them, it is, it is so apparent in his performance, even when he's sad Spider-Man for parts of it, the joy that he gets out of playing that character. Um, And like, we get to feel that. And that's to me, that's one of the best things about, acting and performing uh, 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 is when is when the the actor gets to make that connection with the audience um, and sort of everybody gets to share in that. So that for me, that's why he gets it. But 
honestly, like all three of them are so good. They're so good. And I never thought that I would say that about Tobey Maguire, you know, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. dopey Spider-Man. Uh, well, I think the part of that is that the writers, the writers figured out how to make it work. Like they, yeah. because, and I think this is just because of hindsight. They, they knew how to use the voice of Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man. Uh, right. In in a way that would work in this context, right. uh, they had time to to make that work, uh, and so yeah, they did it really really effectively. All it's, three of them. It, the, the 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 his back when his back goes out, <laughs> which yep. is such a great reference to everything that happened behind the scenes with with Tobey Maguire and everything. I, did we talk about that on the Thundercrack podcast, Amanda? I think, Maybe. I think we talked about Maybe. that in like the in the the uncut stuff, but um, no, maybe we didn't because we as I don't know I don't remember if we got that far into spoilers, but uh, oh no, definitely not recently. Sorry. Yeah. No, okay. Um. Yeah. But yeah, like there's the there was the whole like thing of you know like he almost didn't come back for Spider Man two because he wanted more money and he claimed that he injured his back on the first movie. And so in, I don't know if it's in Spider-Man 2 or Spider-Man 3, but in one of them, I think it's in Spider-Man 2, that he like gets, I think Dr. Octopus like smashes him on the back and he's like, oh, my back. And it's like an in-joke of like them like giving him a hard time for him complaining about his back and all that stuff. Um, so for them to bring that back as a joke again, but then like to for it to be like very much the the he's like the old man spider-man and then yeah and then he's like i'll crack your back i can crack your back and and they have that little moment and it's just yeah it's so it's so good i just like i just want when they say it when 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 tom holland spider-man when when spider-man one says to the other two i guess i'll see you right before they they disappear whatever i i really hope that that's an intentional like like hey um we're not we're not gonna leave this behind like like i really hope that in making this movie that that kevin feige and amy pascal have realized that like there's something actually super magic in putting a bunch of spider-mans on screen you've done it twice now and both Mm -hmm. times it's like it is literally like like hey i i do you like tacos? Well, here's a whole bunch of tacos, right? And it's like, which sometimes you're like, maybe that's too many tacos, but they've managed to do it in a way that you're like, no, I want, I immediately want more. Right. (laughs) Um, And so we've, with Spider-Verse across the Spider-Verse coming up, I, I really hope, I really, really hope that, that they find a way to get these three characters into that. Um, Ooh, so, yeah. so that we can yeah. see them with miles, with Peter B Parker, with, uh, with, uh, Miguel, uh, uh, with, with all of these other characters. Right. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, 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 uh, I can't believe that they pulled this off. Um, speaking of things that they pulled off, I, <laughs> <laughs> they really scared a lot of people with the post credit scene in Venom when Eddie and the symbiote get uh, zapped into this world. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, and then, (laughs) so here's the thing. I'm not going to poke too many holes into this because it really doesn't need to be scrutinized in this way. We know that Eddie 
and Venom get get pulled into this world back in the summer because they they see the moment when mm-hmm. uh, J. Jonah Jameson reveals on television that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. And then at some point at the end of the movie, assuming like presumably at the end of the movie, they get sucked back into their own world. So Eddie and Venom spent six months in wherever they were just hanging out, not getting into any trouble. Uh, (laughs) And, and uh, yeah, I mean like I'm going to choose to believe that that's opportunity for storytelling and not a plot hole. Um, (laughs) But uh, the the post credit scene, the first post credit scene is uh, uh, Eddie and Venom uh, hanging out at the bar in some uh, tropical uh, locale. Um, I love I love that they they got the the guy from. Uh, I do do you guys watch Ted Lasso? Ted Lasso, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's yeah. Lasso. They they say his yeah. name in the show, Amanda. You, you know can't what? say Lasso. You can't call him Ted Lasso. You can't do it. You have to. You, you yeah. You got you got to sort that out. I <laughs> but I love it cuz he's he's so good on that show. I don't know the yeah, actor's name, yeah. but he's so good uh on that show and I uh, I to have him just be sort of this hapless bartender who just doesn't <laughs> just doesn't know how to deal with this crazy guy at his bar. Um but yeah, I mean the the none of that is important. The important thing is that when he gets sent back to where he came from, uh, that just a little he just leaves a little tiny piece behind of the uh, yeah. lethal protector uh, I and I I don't know how that little bit a suit is going to make it all the way to New York but I do love that like that in those scenes like Eddie is like no I don't want to have anything to do with this this is all ridiculous which is totally in keeping with his character from his movies but that Venom is like, no, this Spider-Man, we have to meet him. We have to meet him. He's he, he's the kind he's our kind of guy. And it's like, yeah, the, that that little blob, that little tiny inchworm of a symbiote blob is going to make its way all the way to New York. And uh, I, yeah, we're finally going to get the black suit. It's going to bond is with the a- ebony blade, I tell you. Hey, you oh. think so? Um, <laughs> It's so, a plot hole there, though, that it was supposed to be people that knew Peter Parker, and he doesn't know Peter Parker. Well, exactly. I think that's what it is. He he just hung around in his whatever wherever he was with no. He wasn't drawn to Peter Parker because he doesn't have any relationship to Peter Parker. Okay, so here's right. the thing. But here's the thing. The it, the scene in Venom: Let There Be Carnage, the conversation that they're having right before this happens is yeah. that Venom is about to. He he's explaining to Eddie that he was once a part of the hive mind, the symbiote hive mind. Right. But that like, he's been separated from it, but he still has all of those memories, but he's been blocking all of that from Eddie because if he let Eddie see all of that at once, his brain would explode. Right. Like he's, he's sort of just like, he's like, he's like, no, you can't handle it. And then Eddie's like, no, give it to me. Like I want to, I want to. So he's right about to do that when he gets, phased over into the mcu right um and and that gets interrupted but the he's so what venom is saying before that is that like the 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 symbiote hive mind 
has seen things across galaxies and universes that Eddie couldn't possibly imagine. Right. That like, he has such vast knowledge and like, uh, like all of this stuff. And it's like, to me, that was, it's very intentional that he's talking about that right before that happens, knowing Mm -hmm. why he gets pulled in. And it's that I'm going to choose to believe that this is not a plot hole and that the symbiotes somehow potentially, have a hive mind connection across multiverses, right? Gotcha. They, they, um, the they, the so the Topher Grace symbiote. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, that one is maybe yeah. not included because I don't think that that's an actual, that's not the actual symbiote. So, um, because if, because if it were, then he wouldn't just look like Spider-Man painted black, right? That's the, it's not the, that's not the actual symbiote because it doesn't, he doesn't have the big white spider on his chest. So it doesn't count. It doesn't count. It doesn't count. Okay. If you say so. It doesn't count. But I get, I I understand. It doesn't doesn't count in the sense that, hey, uh, Flint Marco got brought over, but venom did not get but like dofer grace right. didn't make the cut yeah. for this movie because as far as anyone's concerned that never happened um <laughs> just black alien goo i guess was, is, well we is, don't know if he didn't we just didn't sure. see it um but uh yeah so that that's that's good it's and we talked about it on the eternals one and we talked about the 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 sword and uh what's what's the guy's name uh nile is that no What's the what's the what's the guy that that uses the Jon Snow? No, no, I'm, we're talking about the guy that like he's like the father of all of the symbiotes. Oh, um, no. no, 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 sorry, yeah, no, no, yeah, um, yeah, like like if you could very easily make an argument that Null is able, like Null has knowledge of of every version of himself across the multiverse or something like that. Cause he's one of yeah. those cosmic type characters. Um, he like a Kang sort of uh, aspect. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and choose to believe that this, that because a symbiote knows that Spider-Man is Peter Parker, that all symbiotes know, know that Peter Parker is Spider-Man, whether they know it or not. That's fair. Yep. I accept. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. Uh, the the other post credit scene was the Multiverse of Madness teaser trailer, which is <laughs> like a topic cow. in and of itself. I don't think we really need to get into the nitty gritty of that. Um, it's a it's a very cool trailer. Uh, that movie looks like it's going to be great. We have to wait a very long time to watch it. Um, yeah, it's May. Is it not so. till? It's May. Yeah, that's not very very long. I mean, it's longer. It's 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 not as long as the longest gap because that that whole pandemic gap really really yeah. sucked the joy out of uh, the MCU for a minute there. But, May will be uh, here before you know it. Yeah, it's true. It's true. We do have some very good movies between now and then to look forward to. But uh, and, and not hopefully to mention, some Disney Plus shows as well. Um, which, which we have no idea <laughs> what's we next don't. on that front, but there are uh, s- several that, that they can choose from. Uh, but, uh, yeah, multiverse of madness. Uh, it, it, it looks like it's going to be fantastic. We get to see quite a bit of Wanda. Uh, we get to see, uh, uh quite a bit of, uh, America Chavez, uh, in the trailer. Uh, even though she's not necessarily, it's, it's just a teaser. So she's not like called out by name, but we, it is very clear that that's who the character is. Um, Oh, I, I wanted to bring up something I forgot. I completely forgot when we're in the Sanctum Sanctorum. Yes. Uh, Dr. Strange, uh, you know, it's all winter there and everything. And then there's these two young guys, young people 
that are like sweeping up the snow and stuff like that. And I know that the trend it seems is that we're we're trying to like Marvel's trying to build a younger Marvel universe, trying to bring in the second second mm-hmm. generation of these heroes and such. So I wonder if those two characters are a little tease about a future Strange Academy movie that could possibly mm-hmm. be you know in their in their mindset. You think so? I wonder. I think that they were just some some people from the neighborhood that that Wong paid. <laughs> 20 I don't know. Shovel snow. Maybe. Their their whole their whole demeanor and attitude didn't strike me as um, masters of the mystic arts. Uh, well, no, because they're not. They're in training. That's the strange academy. Yeah, they didn't seem like they. <laughs> they didn't seem like they were the sharpest tools, uh, in in any kind of shed. Is but hey, we didn't talk about it at all. But is Ned gonna be a master of the mystic arts? Is that a thing that like? there's any precedent for or is I, that just no no there's no ned, ned leeds like, does not driven. have magic powers in the comics okay um, however there was the joke that he made when he's like am i ever going to uh betray my best friend or something like that i'm never gonna turn evil and betray never, i'm never gonna yeah well in the comic books ned leeds turns into the a villain called the hobgoblin yeah what? He finds he finds the green goblin suit and oh, and does he makes his own version of uh, so you know there <laughs> that's a little nod I don't think they're gonna do that with this this no. Ned Leeds but but uh, if they wanted to have a strange academy and have then bring over a familiar face into that movie one of the young people to join that crew then I think Ned would be a perfect fit for that there you go he's, I mean, I, he's enjoyable I could see a strange academy with uh, with with Wong as the, yep. the one uh, I think so teaching them for sure totally um, it would be a great Disney Plus series. I think that would be uh, yeah. great. Yeah, I'm down for it. But I don't think that those two individuals shoveling snow very poorly <laughs> and slowly. Um, yeah, I mean, like, there's there's an argument to be made that they have been like like that they that they're not in control of their own bodies while they're doing Ooh. that. That they're uh, being mind controlled in some way because they're kind of the way that they're kind of doing it in sync with each other is a little bit. It's and then they don't talk. It's a little creepy. Um, maybe they're just homunculus. <laughs> I a homunculi. I don't know. I recommended reading Curtis. What 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 do you got for us? Okay, so this is an interesting movie in, in that there is not really any direct comic story yeah. that they're adapting here. It's it's all new, uh, and so to to pull out recommend reading is kind of a little bit difficult. But I will say that um, if you can find a reprint of the the Steve Ditko like original Spider Man stuff. Uh, Spider-Man and Doctor Strange first meet in the Spider- Amazing Spider-Man Annual Number Two in 1962, and that's a, just a great story. Uh, there's all and the Amazing Spider-Man Annual Number One is the first appearance of the Sinister Six, which this movie kind of alludes to. They're very they're very particular about only having five villains in this movie. There's not six villains, mm-hmm. but uh, so but I mean that's that's recommended for sure. Uh, the the whole concept of deleting people's memories to wipe the memory away from from Spider Man is kind of taken from a very infamous story called One More Day, where the executives of Marvel wanted to reset the character of Spider Man to be more of that, um, you know, more of the the '90s cartoon concept that we, you were talking about earlier mike but also just the the classic 1970s bachelor spider-man that we that is kind of that's the definitive spider-man 
that the comics had moved so far away from they wanted yeah. to to restart that so they they created this very random story where he makes a literal deal with the devil to save Aunt May's life in order and in in exchange wipe his past relationship with Mary Jane and his secret identity and all that kind of stuff. It's called One More Day. I don't know if I recommend reading it, but <laughs> that's that's what I that's what we're putting here. And then there's this the Spider-Verse story as well. That is just great. All of these different versions of Spider-Man coming together to to save the day. It's just a, a fun read. It's a great mm-hmm. story. Um but yeah, like I said, there's nothing specifically that you need to read that is um you know that's that's the inspiration for this yeah. one movie um i i will give one recommendation it's not recommended reading it's recommended viewing um and it's maybe something that that maybe some of the the younger listeners if if you didn't grow up with the 90s spider-man cartoon oh yeah right um that that you may have missed the series finale of the 1990s spider-man cartoon uh so so the final two episodes in 1998 um actually it concludes in actually i mean like i would go back if i were you i'd i mean watch watch the whole series it's fantastic it's it's a it's such a good cartoon but um and it's all on disney plus um but i i go back and do and do like start with secret wars because it kind of secret wars chapter one two and three leads into the final two episodes which are called spider wars they're titled spider wars but the last two episodes of of the animated spider-man series from the 90s involves um after everything that he goes through in secret wars he comes back and and uh, i there's some spider-verse type shenanigans it might actually be i don't know if it, it, it like did it happen in the comics before they did it in the 90s no uh, cartoon no so it's like this might actually i think this is like the first i mean there's precedent in other comics for multiverse hey the five versions of the same character teaming up but he does spider-man does team up with spider-mans from across it wasn't called the spider-verse at that point in time but there's a character named madam webb who who um allows them to travel from alternate uh realities um to team up because they have to stop spider carnage which is a version of peter parker who uh the bonds with the carnage symbiote um and Mm. becomes way too powerful like way too dangerous so all of the spider-mans have to team up together in order to stop him um because he's dimension hopping and he's gonna destroy everything if they don't stop them um so it's it's actually i guess it's i guess it's the first spider-verse story <laughs> um yep. and i think that it's actually i if i think if you talk to dan slot it's probably an inspiration for what he ended up doing with the spider-verse story uh which i uh, yeah is i'm the that with the Dan Slot stuff with Spider Verse, really honestly, just go all the way back. Go all the way back to when Dan Slot started writing Spider Man. Get all of the Doc Ock stuff leading into uh, Superior Spider Man. Read all of Superior Spider Man, and then read Spider Verse, and you will be very happy that you did because <laughs> that is quite possibly one of the best spider-man stories that's ever been written um but you are talking about like 10 years worth of spider-man i am talking about a a pretty big load of comics there (laughs) but you know what that that superior spider-man stuff which is what it's like three years four years maybe 
don't know. There's a lot of volumes in it, but it's not that that long of a period. But it you will blaze through it because those books are so good. Um, and we got a we kind of got a little bit of of Superior Spider Man vibes in this when when Doc Ock shows up at the end to save the day. He uh, they Spider Man's heroism rubs off on him a little bit. Um, and, yep. and, and he shows up to save the day, which is which is a nice little sort of maybe just a little minor uh, note of, of Superior Spider-Man. But yeah. Amanda, uh, you don't I don't you probably don't know what we're talking about here, but Sp- there's a comic story that was <laughs> played out over like, yeah, two year period or something where where Doc Ock takes over the body of Spider-Man. I do know about that, actually. Michael talks about Spider-Man a lot on the show. <laughs> I feel like Superior Spider-Man is one of my favorite comic book yeah. stories of all yeah. time. I it's actually like, totally, and I thought that that was yeah. a neat, like a, it's, it's like a neat uh, conceit. So. It, you know, the, the I, thing yeah. about it is that when they said they were doing it, I was like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. This is <laughs> awful. This is stupid. And I'll just like, I'm not even, I'm not reading Spider-Man comics, so it doesn't matter. And I'll just like, let me know when it's gone back to normal. Cause it will. <laughs> Cause everybody, everybody got all up in arms of like, I can't believe they killed Peter Parker. And it's like, you guys, we've been through this. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, eventually Peter did get his body back and all that stuff. But, um, but in the interim, like Dan Slott wrote one of the best Spider-Man stories of all time, because in in subverting the the story with Otto Octavius uh, uh, and giving him all of the great power and having him learn what great responsibility means, uh, it just reemphasized how important a character Peter is um, and 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 what makes Peter Parker the actual superior Spider-Man. Um, so yeah, it's one of those great titles where it's like, because Doc Ock proclaims himself the superior Spider-Man, but the point of the whole story is, is, you know, that obviously Peter is the superior Spider-Man at the end of the day. Um, yeah. And I won't tell any, I won't say any more about like how it gets there. I just say, read it. It's so good. It's fantastic. And it's one of those ones that like, this is never going to get adapted into a movie because it's like. How do you do that? I don't know. It's that would be really tough. <laughs> that would be really, really tough to get the audience to go along with. Yeah. So Peter Parker is not Peter Parker anymore. Now he's Doctor Octopus. And it's, yeah. I don't um, know. People might go for it these days. I, I, I think people are more willing to embrace could, the yeah, ridiculous. I think that the best we could hope for is that Superior shows up in Spider Verse. Yeah. Uh, whether it's in this next one or or in a third one. That that I because th- I. I wouldn't even say the best we can hope for. I am sure that if they make three of these Spider-Verse movies, which they will, because the second one's going to make a billion dollars. I <laughs> Actually, maybe maybe that's not true, because the first one did it's, not make a lot of money. No, um, it was animated, too. Yeah. You're hard-pressed to get an animated movie there. But yeah. I, I hopefully after the first one being so good, the second one, people will actually show up for it. But um as long as it continues to be as successful as it has been critically as well as moderately at the box office um we'll get a third one and and if we get a third one when we get a third one if he's not in the second he'll definitely be in that one because if you have the opportunity to bring together a bunch of spider-mans 
my hope for the for across the spider verse is japanese spider-man and i'm just if i get that (laughs) that's the only character that i'm like i really hope that he's in there because we know that 2099 is so it's like if i get 2099 and japanese spider-man with leopard on i'm happy Uh, they can do whatever else they want in that movie yeah there might be some licensing issues with that one because that's yeah. tied up with a different company and stuff but i was sad that we didn't actually get leopard on in uh ready player one the movie because hmm. it was uh, a pretty significant part of the book yeah i there were so many things that were a significant part of the book that weren't able to get ready. very true very true <laughs> so, yeah cool i there's so much good spider-man stuff out there just go enjoy some spider-man i next up we're going to be talking about hawkeye in about two weeks um so look forward to that if you have not watched all of hawkeye i would say uh you could do it right now (laughs) it's only six episodes it won't take you very long to blaze through it but like finish it before you know the holidays are over because it's it is very much a, a christmas story so uh and also also we can place hawkeye and no way home on the timeline in relation to one another because they share a location at the very end of the movie. Not not the Statue of Liberty, but the very, very end of the movie. I'm not going to say anything else because I don't want to spoil Hawkeye if people haven't finished it. But um, I, yeah, there's a specific event <laughs> in, in one of those two movies, or one of those two stories that uh, that places them in time in relation to each other. But uh, we'll talk more about that next, next on the next episode. Uh, but that's it. That's it for this one. That's it for No Way Home. There's so much that we could have talked about that we didn't. We barely talked about Willem Dafoe's amazing performance as the Green oh, Goblin, so uh, but he was amazing. There's not actually, you know what? There isn't that much else to say. He's just one of the best performances in the movie. That's it. Um, but uh, thank you guys for talking about Spider Man with me. Uh, and always. Uh, yeah, and uh, we'll we'll be back in a couple of weeks for Hawkeye. Next week, Amanda and I will be back with a regular episode of the Thunder Quack Podcast, uh, potentially talking about, hopefully, talking about the Matrix Resurrections. Uh, I, if Amanda goes and sees it, I, <laughs> I, but I, yeah, there's lots of there's lots of cool stuff to talk about um, uh, by the time that that hits. So. Uh, but yeah thank you guys for listening and we will catch you on the next episode see ya bye follow the thunder quack podcast on twitter instagram and facebook by searching the thunder quack podcast you can support us in three ways first by heading to the podcast service of your choice and leaving a rating and review Second, by going to store.thunderquack.com to pick up some merch from your favorite podcasts. And last but not least, by heading to patreon.com thunderquack to kick in with your monthly pledge of support and get cool rewards like early access and extended episodes. The Thunderquack Podcast is the official podcast of thunderquack.com. Head to thunderquack.com to discover more great podcasts.